What's going on, everybody? Welcome back into yet another solo episode of the Dogs Basketball Podcast. Just Nick Malone here to recap our previous game and preview the SEMO Redhawks tomorrow night. And I'm here as the day that we said we would. We, I think we tried to do a a uh, together pod, realized one of us couldn't again. Again, it's that time of year, so it's quite all right. Welcome in, everybody. Again, I will, like I said, I will recap the Chicago State victory just the other night. I will, and I mentioned how the Friday game, because graduation was on Saturday. I'll get to a small topic about that here down the road in this. Uh, so it was a Friday game or a Sunday game. We chose Friday night. It was a good crowd. I'll dive into it. I'll dive into all this. Some short takeaways from this. Around the Valley, there was actually a really, really big win for the Valley right before I, or a couple hours before I am coming to you guys now. Some other things around the Valley, some injury news around the Valley. One that's, you know, permanent, out for the year for a team. I'll get into some other stuff. There's some good former Salukis that we know transfer from the from last year that are having success on their new teams. I'll dive into those. Mike was in uh, on in the doghouse. Listen to that from yesterday. If you guys saw a retweet, I'll dive into some things that Mike said in that. Recruiting update, we finally have some more recent news about how Kennard Davis Jr. is doing. He's doing really well. And then other Valley games coming up between now and the next time we'll come to you guys. Probably after Christmas, I'll talk about it again at the end. And then, of course, the SEMO preview that does have a Brad Korn interview as well. So that should be good. So I'll dive into all that at the end. So I think before I dive into this game, we always talk about what we, you know, what we see, what we hear about. And on the pregame, Brian mentioned... Because Mike asked him about, you know, Dalton, what he's been lately and how he's been struggling this year. And we noticed how he was he was playing better in the Lincoln, uh, Lincoln Missouri game. Uh, and then Brian said in the pregame before this one that Dalton had been dealing with a hamstring injury, which hasn't been, like, negating him too much. But, I mean, that could obviously play a factor with how well someone's playing and he's not playing well. We can tell. And I guess Dalton's been hurt a lot in his career because there have been times where he's played like he has, where he's played, like, sluggish he's not his best like penetrating self and finishing near the rim and I don't know and his minutes were kind of funneling around they weren't a whole lot so we were like okay he's just gonna come out of the rotation but he's been playing a lot lately and Brian did say he's been dealing with a hamstring and that can like I said that can uh, affect somebody so that's unfortunate it's one of those things that we never hear about which those are if it's something little like that I guess you won't ever hear about it but thankfully and I'll get into the mic is the like he is our insider for the most part. We mentioned how we used to have Todd Hefferman with the Southern Illinois to uh, give us info. We've talked to Todd off and on and Bucky's done a fine job. You know, Bucky's doing his job, you know, and, and just fine. He's been doing really good in the post game press conferences in terms of his questions, but it's not the same kind of thing. And we're not going to get any uh, like true inside quote unquote information from guys like that, especially not Bucky. So Mike is the best we have. So Mike getting that out of Brian, and then I mentioned some other tidbits from the doghouse I'll get into, that he mentioned that we would never know about. It's just speculation. So shout out to Mike. Uh, but, yeah, that's unfortunate. Maybe and hopefully Dalton can, you know, get it together and keep, you know, getting the minutes up a little bit and keep playing like we know we can. And we know that for the last three years of his career it's been – you know, off and on, but he's looking really good at times, and we're going to need him, obviously, the rest of the way, especially tomorrow night with the good guard play Simo has. I'll dive into all that, but, uh, so that was really what stuck out in pregame. Scotty still has the splint on his hand, uh, so he's not yet playing. Other than that, nothing else to report. Um, so let's dive into this game. I mean, they got on the board fast. I mentioned, you know, in the, in the, in the, uh, preview about Elijah Weaver who is that player that started at USC and then went to Dayton and then now he's here and their personnel is obviously better than it had been and they were a hot team coming in here he only had six on the night but he started them off there with the three and we were able to and they took a six to two lead I'll get into the three-point shooting it's really all they did in this game but uh, it was just back and forth. I mean, honestly, it was. I mean, Wesley Cardat Jr. was the leading scorer in this game, I, I think, off the double look. Uh, he got going in this game. He's a freak athlete, it looks like, uh, and he showed it at times. You know, they you know, they were doing just fine. I mean, Lance, 
Lance had a good game in this one. I'll get into him and Marcus kind of carried us at times. There were threes. Marcus, Lance, and Trent hit threes here along the way in the first half. We went we went some spurts without scoring for a little bit. Uh, and I'll get into the halftime here in a second. Trent made a huge three when it was tied to give us a three-point lead, and we honestly got lucky because Elijah Weaver fouled Lance on a half-court heave at the end of the half that gave him three free throws, and he did make them all. Lance shot well from free throw line in this game. So we had a six-point lead at half. Clearly not fortunate. We know, like I said, they were coming in here hot. We know they got talent, and we know the, the teams that they've played with and or beat the, uh, the time before. So wasn't too surprising, even though we knew we had to you know, play better than we were. So in the first half box score, uh, I mean, almost everybody played. Outside of AJ again, he didn't play in the first half. Uh, that's kind of how it was in previous games, as we know. And AJ had, you know, Brian had been asked about AJ recently and said that, you know, he's going to help us and he's going to have a great career here, but we're still waiting to see the consistency in minutes. Uh, we had the same starting lineup again. Clarence had four points, did have the block. Like I said, we're not really blocking at all as a team. Marcus, three of six, two of three from three, nine points, or from free throw, excuse me, one of two from three uh, with three rebounds and nine points. Trent, the two threes, two of three overall. X didn't shoot, and I'll get into X. He's one of my takeaways of this. He did have a steal, though. He had a steal, a turnover, and a foul. That's really all he did, and uh, three rebounds and two assists. So I'm getting ahead of myself. i got to look at, look at more of the statues. So he did a lot of stuff. We know he's been rebounding great as well. Uh, so him and – so really four of our five starters – had rebounds, and they all had three, which led the whole team. Uh, Lance, two of five from the field, two of four from three. Like I said, did make the three. Uh, he did miss a free throw. It had to have been on and one, but he made those three, as I said. Two assists for him, two turnovers, nine points. Troy got a three off in the first half, had an assist, and scored JD. And I don't have the minutes on here. It was via ESPN. A lot of connection issues in Van Terrison a lot of the time. But J.D. did have a free throw. He made a free throw. Uh, We know now that he's back, he's going to get fouled, we're sure. So we're going to see more free throws. And he actually made the first one and missed the second. But we know hopefully if he does shoot more free throws, he can get more lane violations that we used to get in his previous two years. Uh, uh, K played. Didn't get a shot up. Did have a turnover. Didn't score. Foster. Two shots up, two threes, one rebound, no points. Dalton, those three points, one of two from three. He's been shooting well from three lately, which is good. In the last game and in this game, mentioned how in warm-ups he's, he was shooting shooting threes, and it's like, man, take game shots, as we've said, and he's been shooting good ever since we said that. Uh, and then Jawan only shot once, two rebounds. I'll get into him as well. Didn't score. So, so a lot of only, let's see here, 28 of our 32 points came from our starting five. And what I want to jump into most of this first half box score, and it kind of remains the same near the end of it, Chicago State had seven of their eight made shots from three. Eight of 26 overall, seven of 16 from three. So that's 44% from three, 31 overall. So what is that, one for 10 out from, you know, from not three-point range? That was the only reason why they were hanging with us in this game. We only made 10 more shots than they did on two less attempts. Uh, we did have six turnovers, and I'll get into it, uh, the fact that we keep turning it over and Brian's not happy about it. Uh, we did have two steals to their one. We had eight assists to their seven. Out-rebounded them by only three. Six of nine from the free throw shooting. That's a nice. Uh, and then three of four for Chicago State. Uh, and then our largest lead was six. Theirs was four. So overall, like I said, three-point shooting was keeping them in the game. And... You know, I can dive into the second half here. It seems as if there are some main takeaways. They cut it to two. Tripp made a three that was uh, matched by Elijah Weaver again. Uh, but they had four points to start the second half. So it was a two-point game. And then we didn't score for a little bit. They took the lead, actually, 36-35. Uh, Lance made a couple free throws. He made them after a TV timeout. Uh, then Lance made a three, so give him a 5-0 run himself. Uh, now Then we're up four. A lot of non-scoring again. Wesley Cardet made a three. Lance matched him, still up six. Uh, JD was fouling all over the place. Uh, they went one of two from the free throw line. Uh, Troy had a bad bad pass that he made, either in the sh- from the short corner, tried to make one a pass out or something. It was a b- awful pass. Uh, but they didn't score on it. 
uh, or I take that back, or I think we got. What did I say? I think I think I remember saying in the moment, Dalton or Troy got back for really good uh, transition defense to force a miss. They got an offensive rebound. Cade fouled him. Uh, Deshaun Jean Charles made two free throws. From there on out, Dalton made a couple. I mean, honestly, it was close throughout until we kind of got a little bit of a lead. Dalton had a jump shot. Clarence had a layup. Jawan had a layup, a strong one. And then there was, you know, free throws galore. Blah, 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 up until the end. Marcus was good from the free throw line. He did injure himself in this game. Was down for a second. You could hear a pin drop in Banterra Center. That's what people were thinking. He was down for a while. Looks like he was in pretty bad pain. I'll get into more of that at the end. So other than that, it was it was a free throw shooting contest. Uh, seemed like you know some people even left before the game was over because that's how long the you know the last remaining minutes were going to be with the fouls and such. So then we we had it a thirteen point lead and then they made a couple free throws. Ended up only winning by eleven points total, uh, which obviously you know we played them better consistently. They grabbed that second half lead. But we played we we really turned it on the last like ten like ten twelve minutes of the game because I remember we scored what was it thirty we we scored like twenty eight points in that in that remaining uh, batch we outscored them by five in the second half but twenty eight of those thirty one at least happened in the last ten minutes ten to twelve minutes uh, but we played them better at our place better than Murray played them at their play at Murray and then. Uh, we mentioned how they beat Valpo and USI, but both of those were at Chicago State. And uh, Lance led the way with. I'll go into theirs first. Cardet Jr. I mentioned when he was scoring a lot, he had 14 to lead the way. Uh, Davis, Brent Davis for them off the bench had 11, and then a lot of guys had six and five in their starting five. They shot 28% from the field, so we did good. Great defensive effort again. Clarence four of seven. Uh, Five offensive rebounds for Clarence, and that actually I remember now was was he got taken out of the game and he was not happy. Very uh, you know emotional player as we know Clarence is, but he got taken out. He had a couple offensive boards to start the game, and one he even finished. Uh, but then he came out not too early in the game for JD, and he wasn't happy about it, and rightfully so. Uh, but he did have five in this game, eight total rebounds, three blocks for Clarence. Had all of our blocks. And had only the eight points. Marcus had 17, 5 of 11. One of, did not shoot the three well. One of five, six of seven from the free throw line. Eight rebounds for Marcus as well. Two assists. Uh, Trent did not sh- uh, did not shoot free throws in this game. He was three for five from three. Those were all of his shots. He had nine points. Didn't do anything else. X, 28 minutes, one shot, two points. They're both on the free throw line. He's a great free throw shooter. Two steals. Four assists, six rebounds. So he was doing everything else, but we need X to score. He did all that in 28 minutes. Marcus had 33 to lead the team. And then Lance, four of 11, four of nine from three. Only had two shots that weren't threes. Missed him, but he was seven of eight from the line. Four rebounds, three assists, two steals. Typical Lance game. Ended up with those 19 to lead the team. Mentioned Troy, he still only shot the one. He had an assist, didn't score. JD still only had one point. K didn't score. Foster didn't score. Dalton ended up with five, so an extra layup for him. And then Jawan only had two. So big takeaways from that of two important players that we're going to need moving forward in this in this season. And ours, Bosco, we shot 41%, 31 from three. We were 16 of 19 from the free throw line. Very good, 84%. Only a rebounded them by one. They had 12 offensive boards. I mentioned we had eight. Clarence had five of our eight. Uh, uh, we had 14 assists to their nine. We had five steals to their three. Uh, they only had one block, and they fouled us a lot. And their largest lead was four. Ours ended up being 13. We had 13 turnovers to their 11. So there's recap of the whole game. You know, like we said, this three-stretch of games that are now over, uh, you know, all – Alcorn better than your. I, I mentioned talk about this in the preview that all Alcorn was better than in years past for sure. And playing, you know, played with a lot of teams so far this season. Played their gauntlet schedule. They actually played tonight, I believe. They got smoked by a team that they lost worse to tonight than they did against other better teams. Previously, I'll get into that here shortly, but uh, 
And then uh, D2, they were – and Mike mentioned this on the doghouse, just something small from that when he talked about it was, uh, you know, they didn't play as good as they were deemed coming in, which we still know they're, you know, a really good D2 school. And then Chicago State played as hard. They're a really good three-point shooting team. They rebound. They're athletic. And they proved every bit of what they were doing against these other teams. And, you know, and Mike mentioned how they're not the typical Chicago State where they'd be absolutely dreadful. Didn't have the athletes, didn't have the coach, anything in the last however long. But this season with their wins that they've played well and they played well against us in this game as well. So we mentioned how, and Mike mentioned, yeah, when you schedule these three teams, you just automatically think they're awful. But Alcorn played with us a lot. As we know, we only beat them by, what, eight? or six and then beat Chicago state by only 11. So maybe that says a lot about us and this in the state that we're in a little bit. It does, but also shows that they're, you know, they had the wins to prove that they, you know, could play with us and that they did. So, you know, from this three game stretch, you know, you can look at it as terrible and it still is in the end. These teams are bottom, you know, and Mike did say the Chicago state could have been, if they had four hundreds in the in the in the Kempom in previous years when they were really bad, they could have been in the four hundred. That's how. But they've turned it around, and those games were better than than we would have thought coming in. So it does nothing for us. Clearly, it's just three more wins for our record that we are now nine and four in. So there's that. I wanted to get into some things Brian said about this game. He said, "Quote: We talked about finishing this week off the right way and making sure we were ready to go with it being a little bit different type of week with a couple games and finals week." We got better throughout the week, and as the season progresses, you want to keep getting better, and that's a positive for our guys, and that's the goal here, end quote. Uh, Brian then said, I thought we executed well in the last four minutes of the game. I thought we took care of the ball against the press, made some free throws, and got some stops. Overall, a good effort against a talented team that is playing good basketball right now. And it seemed like that was the case. So those are Brian's quotes. Nothing else to take from it. In general, a nice win. That gets us to that ninth win, nine and four overall, and our last home game of 2022. We know our next home game will be New Year's Day against Belmont, and our next home conference game and next home game overall. So there was that. I wanted to uh, now go through um, the games since the last time I talked to you guys, which I believe was what Thursday evening. So let's go back to those. Uh, let's see, after, was it Thursday? Yeah, well, no, it was on Friday, excuse me. Or when was it? It was Thursday. We, I didn't have any games between then. So the Friday games that remain, Murray State was at one point keeping it really close with Austin P at home again, but they ended up uh, getting by with an eight-point win. I'll just say it here. It was in one of my notes, uh, Jabari Smith. Jamari Smith only played 19 minutes in this game. It was reported that he hurt his shoulder, a shoulder injury that he's been dealing with this year. That's notable. I haven't seen anything on it since. Noah and I were just talking about it. Uh, it's notable because we played them in nine days in our next conference game, so it is notable if he'll play with that. I'm sure he might. Like I said, it's up in the air, but that is an injury to note. Kenny White and DJ Burns had 15 in the starting lineup. And Quincy Anderson had 16 off the bench. Brian Moore still not doing a whole lot for them, only playing four minutes. But they're starting five. All of them, except Jamari, who got hurt, all of them played 35 or more minutes in this game. So they they did they, they get the dub by eight. Oral Roberts beat Missouri State only by three. Missouri State was playing them close in this game, I believe, for a lot of it. MJ Benson got into the starting five for them. They've been switching it up a little bit. Notice how they didn't have Carper in this game. Missouri State didn't. No one in their starting five got in double figures, but their bench came to play. Mogbo had 14. David Rignall had 13. Or Dalen Rignall, excuse me. And then uh, uh, Rafi Arnes, pronouncing that wrong. Aries, sorry, had 10 points. Uh, but Chance Moore did go in the starting five. I guess it didn't have 10 points. But then Oral Roberts, and we know Max Abmas had... 23, 16 shots led the way. They had four players in double figures and got the close loss or close win or Roberts did. So we know Missouri State's had the juggernaut of a schedule lately. So add that to it. They almost got that nice win, though. On Saturday, you and I beat a pretty good Townsend team. They were 8-3 and three at the time. Beat them by 17. So a nice win from you and I. Let's see who 
did good for them in this game. Guess who? Bowen Bourne, 27 points, 8 assists, 50% shooting, 6 of 12 in 38 minutes. He was 12 of 13 from the free throw line to enhance that, 3 of 7 from 3. He's every bit of good. I predicted him second team all-conference this year and looked like he's headed for that with ease. You know, in, in non-conference, and I don't recall exactly what he did in the in uh, his two conference games that he had. Uh, but I actually want to go look at that because that obviously matters most. Those are only games that are notable. So their last conference game where they beat Evansville in, in, uh, at home by 17, he had 29, which is notable. So that's off to a good start there. And then their other one they had where they lost at Bradley by 15, Bowen had uh, 22. So he's been in the 20s all year. Let me look. Bowen Bourne is averaging 19.7 and by 3.4 assists, leading the way in 34 minutes a game with a steal a game as well, shooting 43%. He's really good. And as we know, he's the new main guy in UNI now with his two more years of eligibility or one, depending. Uh, he's just a uh, – he's a junior now. So, I, yeah, so two in general that he has the rest of his career. He is officially a – he is a, yeah, he's played three years and he didn't really, I guess he played 25 games as a freshman. So it says he's a sophomore. So I guess that's a COVID sophomore that they're demon. So he would have two more years after this one, if he wants to take it, uh, he's killing it for them though. So they had a 17 point win against Towson. We know Towson is where Tim Leonard was previously ADing at. So that's just notable in that regard. Uh, I said, you and I had this game at home, but they, didn't it was in Chicago at the United Center? So playing at the United Center, that's pretty cool. Uh, Indiana State, this one they had a lead against Duquesne most of the way, but then they ended up losing by six. Uh, Cooper Nice, as we know, back in the lineup had 19 to lead the way for them. Cam Henry had 16, McCauley had 10, uh, Robbie had eight and four, Kent had six and two. That's a lineup. Nice, McCauley, Kent, Henry, and Avila. That's really big and that's really deadly. Then Julian Larry had 10 off the bench to lead the way for them. Caleb Stevens had 7. And as we know, it's ironic. Uh, they played Duquesne, and we know a former Sycamore Trey Williams is on uh, Duquesne, and he had 19 in this game. He's had a heck of a career since he left Indiana State, but his last two years at Duquesne, he's been killing it, averaging career highs last year and just like that this year. He had a really good Indiana State. We know he left whenever Lansing got fired, but Trey Williams was really good for them on those on those latter great uh, teams that uh, Lansing had. Uh, Illinois State lost at, or sorry, against uh, in Indianapolis uh, at Gamebridge Fieldhouse where the Pacers play. Lost to Ball State by 14 points. Illinois State's 5-7. and seven. By this point, they had Poindexter off the bench with 14. Uh, Buford had 13. Lewis had 13. And Sandage had 11. Not a whole lot good for them. They lost, and then we know a couple Bradley Bradley players went or Bradley fans went to this game at Arkansas and North Little Rock at the Simmons Bank Arena, and they lost by 19. Rink Mass played well though, 17 and six. Malavai had 11. Dean had 11. We know uh, Jay Sean Henry's back, only shot one of six in 20. 25 minutes though. Tavaninen didn't score in 14 minutes. Uh, but they have a nice bench. Bradley, it's a tough game for Bradley. Arkansas was 10th in the country at the time. They allowed guys like Walsh had 18, perfect shooting. Jordan Walsh, true freshman for Arkansas. He's a, he's a stud. So they lost that game. And then and then a notable game I wasn't able to watch at the time. I wasn't home. But Noah was telling me how Drake had a late lead and then blew it and lost by eight. I think he said like they led by four at one point late and lost at SLU. That got SLU back in the win column. Everyone, every starter for SLU scored in double figures. Okoro had 10 and 15, Perkins 13, Yuri 17, nine assists, uh, Jimerson 17, and Pickett 15, and Thatch Jr. with eight off the bench. Their starting five carried them. Uh, Tucker led Drake with 15, 11 apiece for DJ and Sturts, seven for Brody, eight for Penn. 10 for Calhoun off the bench. So tough win for Drake. We know that was a notable matchup. Um, and then Sunday, UIC beat Northeastern at home. Valpo beat Elon at home. Belmont won in overtime at Chattanooga by four. Nice win for Belmont, who's now 7-5. and five. And then Missouri State bounced back. Tough over Roberts lost and killed Central Michigan by 21. 
And then uh, yesterday, Illinois State beat Chicago State. Chicago State has now played four Valley schools and uh, beat one of them, as we know. And Illinois State got the job done against them, 14-point win at home. And then Bradley killed Stonehill by 29 yesterday as well. So I'll get into the other games uh, tonight before, right before I recap. Right before I preview, excuse me, SEMO. So I'll get into that here in a second. So now let's talk about some other stuff. I mentioned Valpo had to having some games, and there's some more injury news. Uh, Rudinger is out for the season with a shoulder injury, so more shoulder injuries going on. Uh, so he's out for the year. Obviously, we know he was a walk-on last year, walk-on freshman for Valpo. Played really well, was expected to be good this year. Not sure what he had been doing to this point, but now he's out for the year for already a struggling Valpo squad. Which reminds me that I forgot to mention my main takeaways from our previous game. Went right through it. I apologize. The biggest ones were the fact that Marcus did get hurt. Hurt his ankle. Came out of the game. But what do you know came back in the game. We actually had a nice lead at the time. And Noah and I were screaming like, don't bring him back in the game. You don't need him in. We know there have been times this season where Marcus wasn't on the court and we played well. But, of course, he came back in. He scored a little bit, played well. I think there was one play. Not sure what exactly it was, but he uh, he came back, or he was, like, messing with a little bit, kind of grimacing. Hopefully he's fine. He got the treatment that he did after the game and getting ready for tomorrow's game. But he shouldn't have came back in. Like I said, you could hear a pin drop in Van Terrison when he was down. That's how quiet it got. Because if he got hurt, folks, it's a wrap. So that's how – Precious Marcus is up until the very end when we know when we say that he's going to wear down potentially with his minutes here and there through the end of the year. We don't need him hurt before that to ruin, you know, this potential good season throughout the rest of the way. Obviously through conference play and getting the seating that we want, etc. So if Marcus is done, we're done. So thankfully it wasn't too anything too serious he acted like it could have been at first but he shouldn't have came back in the game felt fine brian should have said no you're sitting out the rest of the game that's what should have happened it is what it is hopefully it doesn't end up biting us down the road and then the two guys the other two takeaways i had from this game were x and Juwan. what i mentioned they had four points total x had two free throws Juwan had a layup they're not playing well right now and i mentioned how it's crazy how x can have the great evansville and slew games 10 of 12 from three in two games. And then ever since the slew game, he really hasn't done anything. He did a little bit maybe against Indiana State, and he's not looking to shoot threes anymore. He's really not even looking to penetrate. He's rebounding off bad misses from the other team and getting defensive boards. And he's assisting a little bit, but he's not shooting. I mentioned he barely even shot. He shot one time, I think, in the game, I said. And Chicago State and Jawan, the same thing. So. Jawan can't hit threes right now. It's sad because if he was, because he's open on almost all the threes he takes. We mentioned how if it's not the left wing three for him, it's not going in. He's getting easy corner looks. They're just not falling. And if they were, we'd be even winning by a lot more, and he'd be even better than they are. Or better than better than he is, and as a team, be better than we are if he was making those shots. He is fighting on defense. You can tell he's flopping just a little bit. We notice, you know, when he's doing the excessive, you know, whatever, whenever. He's guarding the paint, and he's taking the charge, and he's a, he's a little bit acting a little bit. He's getting the call, and he's doing a good job. He is looking to take charges. Flopping's there a little bit, but his defense is making up for his lack of offense right now. Let me look real fast at what they did again and what X and Jawan are now doing from the field. What did I say X was? O of 1, didn't, and then Jawan was 1 of 5 and was those 0 for 3 from 3. Uh, so... Clearly not good. I mean, X, he was above 7 on the year. Now he's down to 6.8. Jawan at 5.3. Those guys got to be more. Those three main guys, Clarence at 7, X with 7, 6.8, 6.9 and 6.8 respectively, and then Jawan with 5.3. Got to be more than that. You know, Jawan's getting up. Well, he's shooting 41% from the field. X is shooting 54% from the field, which is, you know, second, you know, by – you know, attempts, he's second on the team with a certain amount of attempts percentage-wise. We know Clarence is at 72. X is at 54. He's just not doing a whole lot more. Marcus is back to the 50s at 57. Uh, he's getting going a little bit more, which is good. But we need more from Jawan and X offensively. We just do. We'll need it in conference play, and I know they're both getting used to it. They both have said it. They're getting used to 
how we're running and stuff, but they got to score more. They got to create more shots from them more. And I know we're a Marcus and Lance team, but they got to do more. We got to expect it. We got to expect it. And I'm hoping they do good tomorrow. Sneak peeking maybe a little bit of one or the other I might have for dog of the game at the very end. So those are the takeaways. Marcus shouldn't have played when he got hurt. And then Juwan and X need to do more from here on out. So some other uh, valid news besides those injuries, just something that's notable. Uh, Cameron Payne, it was announced, I think, just a couple days ago that campaign's getting his number retired from Murray, and we know they Jaws will go up at some point here soon. Uh, we know Jonathan Starks, I think, is up there. Isaiah Cannons is up there. Great guards they've had over the years. It's crazy how they only had Jaw for, like, maybe a full year and a half of, like, decent play. We know the one year he was great. The other year he didn't even play a whole lot. Isaiah Cannon was great back in the day, and campaign was great back in the day for sure. So he adds to that. His number one's going to the rafters. I just recall because my sister went to SIUE for school. So whenever I was in high school, I would go up to her games and watch her dance. She was on the dance team. And we'd go. And luckily I got to see a lot of good games, uh, you know, good matchups. Because SIUE, who we know is better this year, they were awful the last decade. Uh, but I got to see one of those games and campaign dropped to like 34, I think, against Edwardsville a couple years ago. So we knew about him since then. We know he's been in the NBA. He's on the Suns now. He's been in the NBA for a while, making a name for himself. So I just saw that recently just because we know campaign's game and we've followed him for a while. That's notable because, like I said, they have great guards that have been inducted or got their number retired there. So he's the next one up. Had to add that. And then some other separate news here. Uh, they usually have a – you know, first, you know, top 25, first 25, or just a list that Rocco Miller puts out of top 60 non-power rankings after six complete weeks of action. We know we've been on here before in the second tier of teams that have at-large chances as mid-majors. Uh, there's no Valley team anymore in those in those top tiers, but he said the likely likely to need the automatic bid. Indiana State's the highest Valley team actually, as it stood. A day ago, they're at 18. Drake's at 19. I'll mention Drake's win tonight. That'll have them higher on this for sure. Us at 23. Bradley at 25. Uh, and then Murray at 44. California Baptist at 45. Uh, and then that Belmont at 59. So that's all the teams. But that's notable. Just knowing the world, he's on that list. Uh, Rocco has a lot of that kind of stuff, obviously. So I wanted to add that. And then I also wanted to mention um, what some other former Salukis have been doing. It's crazy because two notable ones that were nothing for us last year that both left are doing good things where they're at now. Uh, let's let's head into Wofford, who got a huge win against uh, Texas A&M tonight on the road. Kyler Filowich had... I think he only I think I looked earlier, he only had like two points, I think, in tonight's game, but he had eighteen and nine with five assists in his last game against Monmouth. Uh so notable, I'd say, a block and a steal along with that. Nine of eleven from the field in nineteen minutes. He's averaging seven and five on the year. We mentioned how that's kind of around what he did as a freshman. We had a bright future for Kyler looking ahead. And it didn't work out here. Now he's at Walford doing good things for them. Uh Seven and five, as I said, for a decent Walford. Let's look at what Walford's doing now as a team. They are eight and five. Haven't played. They haven't played any conference league uh, conference games in the Southern Conference. They're seven and zero oh at home, though. Really good. One and five on the road. Like I said, that one or maybe now two wins came against Texas A and M, beating them by five. And I said Monmouth. It was Montreat. So he did nineteen. Whatever it was, 19-9 and nine against Montreat. So I guess that's not saying a whole lot. But again, they beat A&M tonight. And then another one, which even um, Mid-Major Madness was tweeting. But we know he, he tweeted about Marcus whenever he made the huge shot against Cal Baptist weeks ago. Uh, Weber State, who actually just on the 7th, we know that's happened ever since we uh, last... Uh, you know, talked about Cal Baptist in our game on December 7th. Weber State lost to Cal Baptist. And I say Weber because that is Stephen Verplanken Jr. who is starting for Weber State. And they had a game against Utah State where they beat them. A good Utah State team. They were 9-1. and I think they're actually undefeated. No more. That was their first loss of the year. 
Steven had a huge shot in this game. That's what they were tweeting about. But he did – he was – heck, he, shoot, he shot 14 times in this game. That's the most on their team. We would have never saw that last year. Ten points, though. Steven is averaging 13 and one rebound and one assist, 45, 45 from the field. So – and I think he got an interview after the game, and the interview with, or I just was on his Twitter, he got interviewed by them a lot and stuff. So having a good time at Weber, and they're playing, and they're they're five and seven. They're not doing great, but he's doing good. He's in that starting five. We know he started for us a lot, but he's doing well for them. So I had to talk about those former Salukis. No updates. I just recall thinking of guys from last year. We haven't seen any update on Cash, Coupet, and what he's doing with the Bulls G League, if, he, if he's even on there anymore. Uh, so there are some other things with that. And I mentioned here fast about, and it's about Trent, and I haven't really, you know, I didn't talk about it when I was talking about him previously at any points in this pod, but I just had it as a topic on here, knowing that he was the only player on the team who graduated on Saturday, and knowing that he not only, well, they're in their four years, and he graduated, and it's December of that year, so, you know, Marcus and Lance could be in in the summer of this next year, so... Uh, I'm sure that's going to be the case. So Trent was an early graduate. And we're thinking if if Trent would use his COVID year. I'm thinking he would. But, you know, he's a really successful guy and what he maybe would want to do post-basketball. We mentioned on the previous one about his last in the doghouse interview about wanting to be a coach maybe. And just he'll use all of his eligibility, I think, if he can. But the only reason why I have this on here was because if he's graduated early before everybody else and that he would just end up leaving and not using his extra year. So that would open up a scholarship spot. So just on here, I won't touch on it much longer. I would have Noah was in here about what it could be moving forward. Uh, but, you know, this big three, this core three, I'm sure if they all spent their fifth years, it would be together. Uh, so just to wait and see, but opening up a roster spot is a big deal. That's more of a off season thing. Clearly you don't even know anything. It's just speculating. It's honestly wrongful speculating, but I had to mention it because you never know. And then before I get into a canard update and upcoming Valley games and our game tomorrow, I mentioned the mic was on in the doghouse yesterday. There's some notable things from there. I mean, I mentioned how Mike is kind of our insider. He'll give us the honest information. He'll ask Brian honest questions at pregame and postgame and all that stuff. And he was talking to the guys on in the doghouse, and he told us some other stuff. I'll get into some other stuff, but he mentioned first that we're the 19th oldest team in Division One, and we've heard that before, just hadn't talked about it yet. And it's crazy thinking that way because we know we have Marcus, Lance, and Trent are four-year guys, three-year COVID guys. Uh, JD is a senior. You know, a couple of JUCO years. This is now his third year here, second year playing. First year got hurt. So he's really in his fourth or fifth year. X is about, I think, as old as Marcus and Lance and Trent. So maybe he's a, he would have his fifth year as well. But he's a fourth year. Uh, Jawan, obviously. So I could see it, but I also want to, like, equal that out with true freshman and Cade. Two redshirt freshmen. Third year Dalton. Second year Clarence, second year Troy, like it equals out. So still, that just shows you how old some of the other guys are that were 19th. And he mentioned how we're second in the Valley. Drake, I think, is 12th. We know how old Drake is. They're 12th. We know they were higher than that last year because they had Tank Hemphill and uh, uh, Tremel Murphy, who were like 28 playing. Just kidding. They were old, though. So they, they, they got a little bit younger, but they're still really old, as we know. So that was notable. He said... And one of the some of the biggest things here was Mike mentioned how you know there is stagnancy in our offense, and everybody knows that. Watching, he touched on the fact that it was either this or something else on here that he mentioned that Brian would never say publicly, or you know is with its in house of freelance, and clearly that looks like that's what they do a lot of the time is freelancing and. He, you know, Mike was mentioning how whether that's your offensive style or not. He mentioned how we are on defense as well. You got to be able to play defense if you're going to play for Brian. And I'll get into something he mentioned on Clarence about that. But freelancing on offense, you know, that's dribble handoffs and it's handling to Marcus, as we know. Not a lot of action like teams we've played this year that we talked about how we want to happen. But it's pretty much Mike pretty much confirmed that Brian allows a freelance kind of style of offense. We we mentioned how okay Brendan is in you know in in control or of our offense and Brian's the defense. It just 
I'm just glad that Mike said this because that is exactly what it looks like as they freelance. So I guess the dribble handoffs, give it to Marcus last second. They kind of just go with the flow. If they see something, penetrate and attack a hole or something, they do stuff like that. So it's not really that surprising, but it's really notable knowing that that's what we do and that's exactly what it looks like we do. So that's kind of crazy to know about. Wouldn't know it anywhere else besides Mike. So we appreciate Mike for telling us that that's kind of how the team is going about it. And then other stuff, he mentioned Clarence. He was asked about him, saying how Clarence is emotional. Uh, but he said that Clarence before the season was fourth in bigs in pecking order behind JD, who they Mike mentioned well, was obviously, and it seemed like it was going to be the case. If he was healthy, he was going to start this year as he did last year. J.D., Scotty, which you know with his injury now, Cade, and then Clarence. Baffled me when I heard it. How can you recruit Clarence Rupert here knowing that he was fourth in line with Biggs and what he just did previous season for St. Peter's? How could he be convinced here? I guess you can get recruited like you're going to be a great – honestly, what he's been so far, he can be recruited like how he's playing for us. Start the year, though, Mike said fourth. I want to almost say that that's not true. That's impossible. Because Cade was supposed to redshirt. If J.D. and Scotty were not heard, Cade would not be playing. If he was, we'd all be shocked to the core. Because we mentioned on the previous episode that Cade was talking about how he was going to redshirt, decided not to, and the injuries made it to where he wasn't. So that was going to be the case. There's no way Clarence was behind Cade. And I would think just with his with his experience and his little experience that he'd be ahead of Scotty as well. You know, Scotty was going to play, and we missed Scotty. We'll get him back here soon. I don't think we mentioned it. It was on the pregame. That's also something I forgot to mention, I guess. Clarence is going to get everything off, and he's going to be able to start practicing around, I think, today. He mentioned, I think, SEMO. So around SEMO before or after he's going to be, be able to practice and get everything off. So I don't know how long it would take for him to get into practice form before he's able to play in games. I think we can definitely see him. I don't think we'll see him at Murray. That might be a stretch. We could, though. That is in nine days. But I think we'll obviously see him at the start of the year against Belmont. So maybe Murray, for sure Belmont, I would like to think we'll see Scotty. So that's notable because we need Scotty's interior presence, his scoring, his free throw shooting, rebounding blocks, you know, Shot blocking, all of it. And when he gets back, knowing that J.D. Clarence and Troy and Cade are playing, it's going to be crazy to think how they're going to go about doing doing it all. But So Clarence was fourth in the pecking order. It just seems crazy to me. And, and, you know, Mike mentioned how Brian kind of did cave and cave in bringing Clarence into the starting five because a lot of fan. not saying that Brian did it because of the fan base, but he just came to his senses like we all – would like to think. So I find that hard to believe that Clarence was fourth. But, I mean, that was kind of crazy. And he mentioned maybe because of that was because his defense. Mike mentioned how, you know, Brian, or that Clarence didn't have great defensive footwork. And I mentioned before, Mike said it a couple times on there, if you can't play defense, you can't play for Brian. So I, I think that's how it was at first. We mentioned before the season, at times this season, it seems like Clarence can guard one through five. Uh, he does prone to the foul still a lot. Uh, I wouldn't say he can guard one through five. I'd say three through five, definitely three, three through three through five, one and two, maybe not as much, but, but he's scoring at the rim. Mike mentioned it. It's obvious. Clarence gets it at the rim. He's scoring. That's a whole reason itself to play because JD is going to give you his defense and everyone else is, and Clarence is going to give you good enough. So that's crazy how that was the case to start the year, but. We're seeing a payoff now, and if Clarence wasn't playing due to those reasons, but we talked about how season would look totally different if J.D. had been ready from the get-go and Scotty never got hurt. Who knows how we'd be looking? Because we know even Cade was a factor why we won Cal Baptist. Who knows how everything plays out? I mentioned the Oklahoma State win. You don't probably win if Scotty plays against Musa and things play out differently. Who knows? So everything happens for a reason. So crazy to think about, and we'll see once Scotty does get back how they all all, all into the mix, but Clarence, we would like to think we'll start from here on out. I, I can see JD end up getting in the starting five once he gets used to it a little bit more. Hopefully, that's not the case. Uh, and then I think that's he touched on. They, I mean, Mike had a lot of long answers, had just a lot of stuff with how the team's been doing. But those are the things I took away most. Like I said, we, we, we retweeted that. Guys, go check that out. 
Um, so that being said, now let's before we get into Simo, let's talk about uh, Kennard, which is honestly great news. We talked about how he had a twenty or had a seventeen point performance in his last game, but then in his previous game, and there was a video of him dunking. He's getting love from everywhere. He had 24-8 and eight in his previous game against Winter Haven of Florida. They had a six-point victory. Uh, he was their top performer, 24-8. and eight. Uh, Just great to see. Like I said, he had a breakaway dunk on that. I mentioned on the, when I last talked about him, he had a dunk. He's just been playing really good. Coach Lamont had the ICU with the eye emojis on that. Uh, he had two threes, finished physically, and played with a high motor throughout. That was via some people that are covering high school ball and covering his gate. So, just amazing. And we re- we retweet everything we see about him. We want to talk about him at all times. I mentioned I mentioned Trent's a roster spot. If he doesn't, depending upon, you could have someone in the portal. It's way too early to talk about it. Just knowing that Kennard will take Jawan's spot. And then whoever else's spots, maybe if we get re-enter the portal and everything, and a lot of stuff can play out. We want to focus on the now. Just stuff worth mentioning. So good to see Kennard drop 24 points. He's obviously just a stud. We cannot wait to get him in Carbondale before you know it to start, you know, and to hopefully have a great four-year career for us. So there's an update on Kennard. Nothing else in general of any kinds of recruits. That we've had actually real fast. I I have a I think Mike recently posted like some more stats updates and where people rank. Uh, let's go through those real quick. Marcus is now 24th all time in scoring with 1268. He's right behind Randall Falker and Armand Fletcher. He'll be up there before we know it. Lance is at 1217, right behind Chris Lowry, about eight points behind Chris Lowry, and. 27 behind on Sean, and he'll be creeping up on Monty Jenkins and Chris Carr as well. 29th for Lance, 24th for Marcus. Uh, career rebounds leaders, Marcus isn't in the top 30 yet. He's got 444 in 85 games. So he's still got a lot to, to lot to go before he cracks the top 30, uh, which is crazy thinking of Seymour Bryson back in the day in 100 games, have 1,200 rebounds, and Oshroff Amaya in the early 90s, 1,100 in 128 games. Uh, career steals leader Lance is ninth and 98 games. He has 146. So for reference, the guy ahead of him, Jamal Tatum, the great one and only JT, he has only 13 more steals than Lance has right now. And about 33 more games than Lance has right now. So Lance, we know he's had a lot of, a lot of steals and, you know, one game itself. He had a couple, has a couple of this season. He's just a menace, and he's gonna he's gonna be in the top five hopefully by the end of his career for sure. Top five, fifth is Sterling Mahan with 171. So Lance is gonna hopefully break that top five the rest of this year and hopefully that next year. We know Darren Brooks leads with 258 right ahead of Brian who has 254. So some all-time greats on these lists. Some nostalgia for us as fans and seeing Marcus and Lance just those legacies building up and up on all these boards. And there's, I think, another one. Clarence's five offensive rebounds are rarity for SIU during Brian's five years, uh, or the past five years with Brian and Barry. Clarence is on here now with those eight, uh, with, like, Barrett Benson, Marcus, Teakball, Kyler, Armand, Cash, and Devonzo apparently did. What is this? Top offensive rebounding games. Marcus, or apparently D'Avonso had it. I'm confused by this ranking, Mike, to be honest with you. We retweeted it, guys. Go check it out. Jawan's birthday was yesterday. Happy birthday to Jawan. He's got to be at least 24 years old now in his fifth year. Uh, Old man, as we like to say. So now with that being said, let's go to the other games that were happening tonight, the ones tomorrow. Like I said, we won't probably won't talk to you guys till after Christmas, which will be late. So I'll talk up to Thursday, and we'll talk to you guys again after for the 28th, which is the day we'll come to you guys, the day before the Murray game. So tonight's game, I, I said it was a big game, and that it was. Uh, Drake upset Mississippi State. Where was this game played? In Lincoln, Nebraska, at Nebraska's home court. Uh, I think 
you know, Drake was losing a little bit. People were tweeting how pathetic they looked, honestly, at times. And they stormed back. Only one player from Mississippi State who was ranked 15th, 11 Eleven and one or eleven and zero, where they were, they are, they're. That was their first loss, so they were undefeated going into this game. And Drake, who's now nine and three, got the dub. Tucker had fifteen on fifteen shots. Roman Penn nineteen, and Calhoun had seventeen. With a, I think it's at a career high five threes for Calhoun. He was their only bench points, but 19 and 15 in the start of a Brody didn't even score. Sturts had two. Wilkins had five. So they're carried by three guys to get the win. A 50 score. So a lot of bad shooting. Let's look at the team percentages. 39 for Mississippi State, 36 for Drake. So, yeah. Uh, great game for Drake. Put us on the map, clearly back on the map. Murray beat 24 A&M, who's A&M's terrible now. So that, that doesn't even look as good. And we know our Oklahoma State, Oklahoma State's kind of just been average for that for that Big 12 school recently. So now Drake officially owns the best win of the season against Mississippi State. Huge win tonight for the Bulldogs. Obviously that the game in the 50s and shooting bad, it was an ugly game on a neutral court. Drake got it done, and obviously that doesn't mean anything good for anybody in the Valley moving forward that they are now are battle-tested against a team like that. Uh, UIC is currently losing, getting doubled up at halftime by a good Northwestern team. And I just ironic thinking about uh, Chris Lowry, who we know was supposed to go to Missouri State staff. Now is on Northwestern staff. I saw a stat, and I think Mike, let me go back and find him. Mike retweeted it uh, about Chris and the impact that he's had on uh, Northwestern and their defense. So the defense this season for Northwestern, they're second in the Big Ten in points allowed, first in field goal percentage allowed. Uh, fourth in blocks and third in steals. And there's a picture of Chris. And so Mike retweeted that, and it makes us think. You know, Brian's learned a lot from Porter Mosier and his defensive philosophy, but Brian knew it and was a great defensive player because of Chris Lowry. Chris was a great both ends player in his career that, you know, he instilled that in those great teams that Brian was on, and that made Brian the player that he is. So, Chris Lowry knows defense, and that's what he's been doing for Northwestern. As Illini fans were kind of worried from whenever they play Northwestern that uh, their defense will be wreaking havoc. So that's thanks to Chris Lowry. So he said Northwestern's up 21 on US, UIC at half. And then tomorrow's games outside of ours, I'll get to Valpo host Stonehill. Drake on a back-to-back in this Nebraska thing, they host San Ambro. Uh, Murray State is at Middle Tennessee State. Uh, Northern Iowa hosts St. Bonaventure, which is a huge home game. Uh, uh, Belmont hosts Samford. Evansville hosts Bellarmine. He said those are tomorrow. And then on Thursday, Bradley hosts Akron. Indiana State hosts Northern Illinois. And Missouri State had a game canceled for Sam Houston. That came out. That's a good. That would have been a good game for Sam Houston, who's 10-2 and two, and one of the best mid-majors in the country. Uh, but that game got canceled. I think they said they won't reschedule that either due to the weather that's going to be hitting the country here in the coming days and on that Thursday day. So, so there's that. Like I said, those games tonight and then the next coming days. So with that being said, now let's get into our game against SEMO tomorrow night at 6.30. We will be in attendance. Always love to go to Cape to watch this matchup. Uh, we are. We have a 68% chance to win from the matchup predictor. It is a six and a half point spread in, in favor of us. Minus six and a half for SAU, 138 over under. Uh I think well, we'll get into it. And Brad Corn talked about it a little bit. They were five and one at the start of this year, and then they started playing those really good teams, and now I think they've lost a lot in a row. Let's see here. We know their previous game, they lost by 31 to Iowa. They lost to Arkansas State by 7. They lost to Purdue Fort Wayne, got killed at their place. On the 7th, uh, got killed, at, or only lost by 7, excuse me, only lost by 7 at Mizzou, and Mizzou was undefeated before they got killed by Kansas. That was in December. In November, I mentioned they were 5-1. and one. They beat South Florida to start the year by 3, which was a huge win. Non-D1 win, they, beat, they won at Evansville. They lost at Bradley. Beat some other bad teams, so when they lost to Milwaukee, got killed by them in November as well. So have been playing well up until they get all these huge teams to start this month and throughout. Uh, let's get into some other things, some notes, some 
some quick hits on this game. Uh, some the matchup. It's 121st meeting between us, and we lead that series 73 to 47. We're three and zero against Simo under Brian, and we've won four straight against them. The last loss was by six. Came in the 17-18 season at home. We are 26 and 32 though all time in Cape at third place. So obviously, you know, it's always sketchy at their place. So we'll see how it goes. Simo uh, enters the game at five and seven. Led by Philip Russell, I'll get into more of their personnel. He leads them with, you know, Fats Russell, 16, four and a half assists, three rebounds. Israel Barnes, 15 points. Chris Harris, well, I guess I'll talk about more of them now, and I'll get into some more guys. So these are their, these are their three best players. Chris Harris played at Johnny Logan, has been at Semo for a while, averages 12, and he, uh, the, but those three averages double figures for them, and they average 71 a game. And their three and their three home games, they averaged seventy nine, which is notable. And Brad kind of touched on the fact that you know they hadn't been playing a great at home, which they're averaging seventy nine. And Mike was going at him saying, "Well, you haven't played a whole lot at home." So uh, this is obviously you know rivalry game. We know how the war for the wheel in football, and they got the best of us. Especially they're really good in football. Their football, the the, the game they lost to Purdue Fort Wayne got killed. Their football team got honored, uh, and you know, you know, they won the OVC. They were great, and they had a nice lead in their first round playoff game, but then they blew it and lost. So, Simo football is on the up and up. So we'll keep an eye out for that. And their basketball team's doing fine under Brad these last three years. Uh, and like I said, it's always tough playing at the Show Me Center. Uh, Let's see here. Some more quick hits a little bit before we go into this a little bit. As a team for us, we have 182 assists in 12 games, 15 assists per game, ranked second in the Valley. Uh, we score 60 or we allow 62 a game, which is second in the Valley and 34th nationally. We're holding opponents to 29% from three, ranking second in the Valley and 40th in the nation. Only six teams have shot over 30% against us this year. We're 8.2 steals per game, lead the Valley. Lance leads the way with two a game. And he's had multiple steals in a game in six of his last eight games. Uh, Marcus moved up and scoring all the time, as we know. Uh, Clarence, and there's a lot of stuff on him being, obviously, shooting what he is for the year. And we know the last time we played here was two years ago, and we were led by Anthony Diavans. I'm surprised they haven't mentioned that on here yet. Anthony led the way for us in his first game with us, I believe, or one of them. He led us to victory in a, in a sketchy, in a sketchy close, a crazy game. We recall that was the game that Brian wasn't able to coach, I think, due to COVID. So Brendan coached us in that game, and we got the job done. So that was the last time we were there. We know we hosted him last year, and of course got the win with all of that. I'm going to see if there's any other notable things from their game notes. I mentioned their three leading scores. Those guys definitely start. Not sure who else they start in this game usually. Uh, but see, Brad is three. Brad Corners three and five against the Missouri Valley as as Simo's coach. He won against uh, Missouri State and Evansville. He's beaten twice, and obviously he was a great player for us from '99 to '04 and coached here for eight years under uh, Bruce, under Coach Lowry, and then obviously he was at Missouri State for a while and was at Kansas State under Bruce and with Chris as well. Uh, so, yeah, other than, I mean, Simo's got six straight losses coming into this game. So, uh, but they do have players. And so with that being said, I'll go now and read you the rest of their personnel. I mentioned some of their top guys, but I'll compare and contrast some more stats between this as well. Fats Russell, <clears throat> excuse me, 16 to five, as I said, averaging 30 minutes a game. Shooting 41% from the field. He's at 88% free throws. Just don't foul the guy. Uh, I mentioned Israel Barnes is a senior. He was previously at Weber State the last, or apparently he missed. He missed the last, he missed last year. He's a senior. He missed last year, sat out or something. He last played before this year. He last played in the 1920 season. So he's a, but he's, a, he's here averaging 15 points a game. So I mentioned Chris Harris. 12 points. He'll shoot a lot. He doesn't shoot it very efficiently. 30, and we've known this since his John 8 days. He's a, he's obviously a really, really good player. 
but he averages three turnovers a game and shoots 33 from the field. So he's really active, though. Uh, and I mentioned Barnes has only played in five games this year with those 15 points and uh, some other guys on this team that we haven't really heard of. They still have Dylan Branson, who we recruited years ago, out of uh, Melville, I think was his high school. So he's playing less now than he had, I think, minutes-wise, but I think he he's only playing eight games. He might be hurt. He's only averaging four points. But overall, they got some decent size to him. They do have a couple of seven-footers. Not sure if they play. They're both freshmen. Mason Handback and David Idata. Let's see if those guys have played at all. Uh, no. Handback and who did I say? He's not on here. So they only play once, one of the two seven-footers, but they don't play a whole lot. They have Nate Johnson, a 6'9 senior or 6'9 center. So that's some decent size. They have, they're really versatile. They just remind me of an Indiana State team who have a lot of guys around the same size. Uh, but even Philip Russell is only 5'10", but he's a bucket. So he's a problem. He's the one we got to hone in on most. But we mentioned Clark, who's one of their other best players, averages eight and nine rebounds. He only shoots 39% as a big, but he does – or he's 6'6". Six, six. I think he plays like that four for them. Averages nine rebounds, though. So we got to keep him off the board. They're really athletic, and like I said, whatever they play at home, they score about 80 points almost at home this year. And according to Brad Corn, they're not playing well otherwise. And other stuff uh, Brad talked about with Mike was how well they're going to have to score in this game, knowing how good we are defensively and how a Brian coach team is going to be. Talked about their game, and he's proud that they scheduled the Iowas and Missouris of the world. They wanted to schedule hard teams. Uh, and we mentioned the battle-tested thing, but those count towards our record. We were battle-tested against Kansas State and Alabama, who didn't count towards our record. But Brad said he was proud of the fact that they've been doing that. Uh, other than that, and he talked about Lance and Marcus on our side and how effective they are and how much we'll have to stop them. And just it was good hearing Brad talk. You know, like I said, we he's an he's an all-time alumni, and he said that when he played here last year, he kind of it wasn't emotional, but he just felt nostalgic in the place and everything he had been up to to this point. So that that's good to hear, and obviously a well-deserved. We mentioned how before it's crazy, Brad. This is his third season. We know Rodney does the radio for us. There were rumblings that Rodney was going to come out of retirement. Or, you know, he was only retiring, but not even for that long at that point, was going to go get the SEMO job. And then Brad ended up getting the job, getting hooked up with the job, SEMO. So Rodney got screwed out of the head coaching job. He wouldn't have went to SEMO. But now he's doing our radio, and Brad's now in his third year. And Brad, I think, has done a really good job. He's going to hopefully be there a long time and, you know, can build that place up. And it's a really good opportunity for him. And he's had tons of experience over the last however long. So... Shout out to Brad leading this squad. So I wanted to say real fast, comparing and contrasting the two teams, I said they do score 72, but they do allow 73 a game. We mentioned how we're at 69 scoring. We allow 62. They shoot 42 from the field. Not good. They're going to shoot a lot of bad shots. 48 for us. They do rebound better than us. I mentioned Clark has about 10 almost a game. They're at 36 to our 32. We have about one and a half more assists per game. They do block shots. We mentioned how we don't. We're at two. They're at three. Steals, they're at 7.4. We are at 8.2. And I mentioned, yes, yeah, six-game losing streak for the Red Hawks. So, uh, so yeah, looking to – Mike was talking about in the doghouse side, they don't want to lose a game like this. Seems to be the case, clearly, a 5-7 and seven team, six-game losing streak. Simo's going to be in the middle of the pack of the OVC. But they'll have – you know, the OVC's going to be a fun year, and you never know what – what can happen, but definitely shouldn't lose this game being six and a half point favorites on the road. Especially before you get in the conference play, you want to keep, you want to have that nice nine and four record. So, so I do think we'll cover, we'll cover the six and a half, even though we know we play tough or we know, we know we play close games. Let me go real fast to get a Ken Palm update for us here. Uh, we know there's still no net update as well. Uh, let's see where we are in Ken Palm. We are still in the, let's see here, we are 108th, Bradley's up to 97th, and Drake is at 88. So yeah, 108, let me look to see where, there's some Valley teams in here, not important in the moment. 215 for SIUE, 
Let's look for Southeast Missouri. USI, who lost tonight uh, to uh, – forgot who off the top of my head. They lost tonight. Uh, and when we stayed at 258, let's look for SEMO is 274th, right behind St. Peter's. Uh, so yeah, you don't want to lose to a team that's 274th, and it is on the road, but you don't want to lose in general. So 108 to 274 kind of matchup. I think Mike said Kempom had us in a semi-close game, like within eight points, I think, which is covers the six and a half. So I can see it. It'll definitely be within a 10-point game. I don't know how their crowds usually are at the Show Me Center. In years past, I think they've been okay, nothing more than okay. So, you know, whether they'll be able to feed off it or not, but they are athletic, and I think obviously they overall they would play well, well there. So, with that being said, I mentioned how I got Noah's dog of the game earlier. He says Dalton, it makes sense, and I was going to go with either X or Juwan. I want to go with both. I'll combine them both into one. Got to score and got to just play well, and I'm glad he said Dalton. All of our guards got to play well. This is SEMO's bread and butter is their guard play. Like I said, they're versatile. They're not very big. They don't play big guys, really. They're just really versatile. It's going to be a big Clarence game against Clark, who's 6'6", a big Marcus game, everybody game. But our guards have to play well because Philip Russell and Chris Harris will get theirs, and they will be hard-nosed and will be tough to stop on either which end. So 6.5, looking to cover it, keep them within 10 points. Curious to see what the – what the keys of the game are going to be, limit turnovers. They will turn you over. They'll get after you, Simo will, and they will get buckets. Got to have another good defensive performance. Just get a win and get the 9-4. and four. Finish off non-con strong because at Murray's not going to be no walk in the park with or without Jamari Smith. And we know their home winning streak that I think is now at 20. Uh, before you then you get into Mike mentioned in the doghouse, the, the, the five games here, you know, is Belmont and Drake, to start, and then you're at UNI, you're at Indiana State. So it's it's a crazy start to the conference year for us to continue it out. So got to get this win, get the 9-4 and four to help the case the rest of the way. Hope everybody enjoyed this other solo pod to recap and preview. Like I said, we will be at Show Me Center tomorrow for a 6.30 game on ESPN Plus if you can't make it. Hopefully a lot of SLU fans usually do show up to Cape. Looking forward to it to try to give Brad Korn another loss against his alma mater and to get – to our fourth straight win, like I said, 9-4, and four, pivotal before conference play. So with that being said, we'll come to you guys. I hope everybody has a Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. Like I said, we won't come to you guys till after the fact on the 28th till the boys play again on the 29th at Murray. So until we talk again, like I said, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. Until then, as always, go dogs.